Pardon the interruption, but I'm Frank Isola. Hey, Tony, Virgin Space Plane touched space today. How about Tony that? Kornheiser. Only a matter of time before it touches Uranus. And without Wilbur, I like that's that. a funny it's line. It's funny. Wilbur would have went, uh, 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 uh. But no, that's actually funny. I set you up. You're no, welcome. you did a great job. You killed me yesterday. I set you up. You did a great job. I killed you yesterday, but we cut stuff out. <laughs> Welcome to PTI, boys and girls. In today's episode, the Raptors route the Warriors. Carson Wentz has a fractured back. And could the Yankees talk themselves into Bryce Harper after all? But we begin today with tonight's Thursday night game. A marquee matchup. Chargers at Chiefs. Kansas City is 11-2, and and the Chargers are 10-3. and No division leader has a better record than the Chiefs. And no second place is close to the Chargers. The Chiefs have the number one offense in the league. Frank, if the Chargers beat them tonight, how would that change how you feel about this season? If the Chargers win this game, it's a season-defining win for the Chargers, who, first of all, never beat the Chiefs. They never win in Arrowhead. Phillip Rivers has not played well in Arrowhead. Two touchdowns, four interceptions, or six interceptions his last four games there. So I think for San Diego, and we're all waiting for kind well, of a, San Diego, isn't it? L.A. to turn into a pumpkin. Right. And it hasn't happened yet, and maybe they're the team that's going to sneak up on everybody. Because here's the thing. New England, Pittsburgh, I'm, I still believe in them. I know you don't. And Kansas City's been great. Maybe this will be the year that Phillip Rivers kind of gets his way in there, gets so, to the Super Bowl. I think I agree with you if I understand the point. I would not necessarily downgrade Kansas City if they lose this game, but I would upgrade the yes. Chargers if they, if they win this game. I don't think they're going to win the division because the tiebreaker still would rest with Kansas City. Yeah. But they would become a wild card. And for people who think, oh, you can't, you can't win if you're a wild card because you're on the road every game. Well, uh, I think the Ravens won, the Giants won, the Steelers won, and the Packers, I believe, won as a wild card in the last 10, 12 years or something like that. So it's doable. The subtext for me, though, and I'm looking ahead on this, is Mahomes in this regard. Philip Rivers may not be the greatest playoff quarterback of no. all time. He's four and five. But he's won pressure games, and he's won playoff games. Mahomes never seen this. He's never truly seen pressure. He's obviously not seen any playoffs. I mean, going forward, the most interesting thing to me is, is, is what does Mahomes do? Because he's the most important. And, but that's the thing about getting the home field advantage. In Kansas City, we've seen throughout the years. Now, Patrick Mahomes has never started no. a playoff game. Maybe no. they've been vulnerable at home. But when you get home field advantage in the NFL playoffs, and we've seen New England do it, two home wins gets you in. in the Super Bowl. You're in. You're it in. means everything. Yeah. And by the way, uh, the Chiefs still have to play at Seattle, home Oakland, and then the uh, Rams, I'm sorry, the Chargers, home Ravens at the Broncos. That's hard. Those are not easy They have the games. tougher skin. They're not easy games. All right. Carson Wentz is likely done for the season after a CT scan revealed that the Eagles quarterback has a fractured vertebrae. No surgery. However, last year, Wentz suffered a season-ending knee injury and watched Nick Foles lead the Eagles to their first ever Super Bowl victory. Now, Philadelphia can sign Wentz this offseason and perhaps make him the highest-paid quarterback. Tony, would it be wise for the Eagles to give Wentz a big fat contract. Not until they find out how he is physically. This is the second year in a row yes. where his body broke down late in the season. Maybe he's not a 16-game guy. Maybe he's Sam Bradford. They understand Sam Bradford in Philadelphia. He's a great talent, but he couldn't stay on the field. I think you have to worry about that. If you have a great quarterback, you hold on for dear life. And I think Wentz can be a great quarterback. But if you're going to commit that kind of money, you have to be sure medically that you're dealing with a guy who can shoulder all that. 
Yeah. Now, I know you're like me. You study the NFL salary cap. And the way it works is they could rip up his contract yeah. after this in this offseason and then give him a big deal. Now, if you wait, it'll it cost you more, more money. money. And then it goes against oh, your cap. Okay. But, it'll cost you more money. But if he's, he's great, you will pay anything for a great quarterback with longevity. He, that doesn't bother anyone. He's any 23 team. and 17. Not great. Good, not great Hang as on, a starter. Though. You remember, though, you traded up. To get him. Mm-hmm. This is your franchise quarterback. Yeah. And you talk about him. He ran to, to score a touchdown when he hurt his knee. Who knows? Maybe the knee injury is affecting the back. Maybe that has something to do with it. I have no idea. So do you disagree with the notion that you have to find out medically how he is I, before you commit to that? Well, he doesn't need surgery. They said with rest, he'll be fine. Here's my thing about Carson Wentz. You, you have a franchise quarterback. They're not easy to find. I think the mistake they made, an injury like he had with the knee, it takes a full year. Maybe he came back too soon. Because well, he hasn't been that good. In Last Washington, year he was great. In Washington, we saw that with Robert Griffin. Where he exactly. said, all in for, for game one. You know who I see when I see Carson Wentz being from the small college in North Dakota State? I see Phil Simms. And Phil Simms was a great quarterback. Well, MVP. Uh, he was a great quarterback. He came from Moorhead State. And I, that's so you, what I'm looking so for. So you're willing to wait? I would wait. Because, again, I don't think you can overpay for a great quarterback if you're sure of him. All right. Last night marked an occasion of great stupidity for me. Again, I had the Golden (laughs) State Warriors crushing the Toronto Raptors, and I was loud wrong. Even without Kawhi Leonard, Toronto won laughingly by 20 points in Oakland. After the game, Kevin Durant said to the Raptors, quote, they're not an up-and-coming team, they're here, unquote. Frank, is that how you see yes, it? Yes, that is how I see it. And we were both wrong because I thought Kawhi Leonard would play, uh, would play. So it's a rare case. It's like the Haley's comment. You and I were, <laughs> were both wrong. Uh, when you look at Toronto, in the span of 13 days, they beat the Golden State Warriors twice. And I get it. The first time Steph Curry and Draymond, and Draymond Green didn't, didn't play. play. So this was going to be the game where they were going right. to get smoked. Right. No Kawhi Leonard, but, you know, Kyle Lowry has been outstanding. Serge Ibaka, uh, Siakam, great. Toronto is a legitimate team, and here's what happened in the Eastern Conference. They acquired an unbelievable player, a finals MVP, and LeBron left. Toronto is so much better now than they ever have been. That was a great trade that they made. So can I ask the the sort of obvious questions here and you cover the NBA? Well, there's there's a two-part question. One... Is Dwayne Casey the worst coach of all time <laughs> no. because they're doing so well now, albeit not in the yeah. playoffs yet? Or is DeMar Rosen so toxic that just by getting rid of him, because they're 7-1 without Kawhi, that just by getting rid of him, they improve themselves and then improve themselves exponentially when he plays? DeMar DeRozan, when the playoffs would start, he would play Those are well. Fair questions. And then, absolutely. And then LeBron James would come up. LeBron James dominated the East for eight years. Years. Right. He's gone. When the playoffs start in the Eastern Conference, and I'm not going to include Dwayne Wade because his team probably won't make it, there are two accomplished players in the Eastern Conference when it comes to the playoffs. One is Kyrie Irving, responsible for the greatest shot or biggest sure. shot in Cleveland history, sure. and the other one is Kawhi Leonard, who beat LeBron in the finals and is the finals MVP. That trade, for anyone to criticize Masai Ujiri for making that trade, even if it's a why one would year you, rental. Why would you c- criticize him at you all? You got so much, better. so much better. And the guy you couldn't beat, he left. Yeah. He did you a favor. So when I found out, Late last night, that Kawhi Leonard didn't play, I would have called a bookie and doubled <laughs> my bet. I'd have doubled it. And, it. and you mentioned it, seven and one without Kawhi. How did Cleveland used to do when LeBron wouldn't play again? They no chance. No, they didn't win. Absolutely not. Did not win. All right, Phoenix Suns owner Robert Sarver, whose team has the NBA's worst record and hasn't made the playoffs since 2010, is threatening to move to Las Vegas or Seattle if the city of Phoenix doesn't approve a proposal to spend. 230 million to upgrade the Suns Arena. 
The cost to taxpayers, $150 million to help an owner whose franchise is worth, according to Forbes, $1.28 billion. Tony, should Phoenix call Robert Sarver's bluff here? Well, you'd have to tell me what is the gain for Phoenix. If you're an owner in any sport, you can move. Al Davis went to court, got the right to move. The only owner I have ever seen who didn't move was Boogie Benson, who <laughs> wanted to move from New Orleans to San Antonio. And Paul Tagliabue said, no way, not, not on my watch. But if he wants to, I mean, if you stand in the door and say, go ahead and move, he will go ahead and move. So you have to tell me what the gain is here. My goal is to get Carmelo Anthony into the show, and your goal is to get Boogie Benson into the show, and you beat me to it. <laughs> Here's the thing about Robert Sarver, and you know the history of the Phoenix Suns. This is Jerry Colangelo's baby, and Jerry Colangelo so connected with the league, and now, of course, Adam Silver. How much do you think the league would want Jerry Colangelo to own this team as opposed to Robert Sarver? They have been an absolute They're not going to force him out. I understand that, but you know what? This is an organization that they were on the cusp of being a championship team. That's when Robert Sarver started getting a little cheap. With Joe Johnson, they could have gotten him for about 40-something million. He didn't sign him. Then Joe Johnson left and went to Atlanta. Once they were, see, if I'm a fan, I'm thinking this way. Once we're there, like, you have a chance. Spend the extra money for a championship team. That's he fine. didn't do that. But if the, and now I, okay. I, you want me to bail him out for you his can, new arena. You can hate him all you want. But if you're the city of Phoenix, your hockey team is going away. If your basketball team goes away, you know what you are? You're Baltimore. Seattle is reacquiring a basketball team, and they're acquiring for the first time a hockey team, and suddenly they're relevant in the larger conversation of important cities. This would be a very bad look for Phoenix if they lost both winter teams. Come on, it's a bad look. Because you, you can't live there in the summer you, unless you're a Gila monster. You can't <laughs> you'll, go, live there. you'll go with Las Vegas Suns, but not Seattle Suns. They'll have to change the name. Right? Seattle Suns won't work. <laughs> Brian Cashman appears to be opening up a crack in the window with regards to Bryce Harper. The other day, Cashman said the Yankees weren't interested at all in Harper. They had outfielders. But yesterday, Cashman said, quote, we're prepared to pivot and react at any given moment if things change. If something doesn't make sense today, it doesn't mean it won't make sense tomorrow. You know what my focuses are, but at the same time, we're a fully operational death star, yes. unquote. Frank, do you think the Yankees could be interested in Harper after that, all? That's a great quote. Death star? Fantastic. I think they are interested, and I think, of course, if George Steinbrenner were still around, Bryce Harper would be on the Yankees. And you think about the left-handed hitter, the short porch, sure. and everything like that. Sure. Plus, you have Stanton and Judge, so it's a right-handed hitting dominant lineup. The Yankees are always going to go after a move like this because the Yankees are not in competition with the Mets. They're in competition with the Boston Red Sox. And the Red Sox, since the turn of the century, have won Four World Series, the Yankees have won one. And that's what they're Oh, the turn of this century. This century. Because the Yankees got 28, I believe. Yeah, but we're talking about 2000. Okay, all right. The real Um, evil empire is up in Boston, by the way, if you're judging it on World Series. So what I will say, and I say this from the perspective of a Nats fan, if Bryce Harper goes to the Yankees, no one here is going to be upset. He rooted for the Yankees as a kid. He wanted to be Mickey Mantle. Okay. If he goes to the Dodgers, no one is going to be upset. Um, the Dodgers have been in the playoffs the last six years. They've advanced. The Nats have never advanced. People in Washington would say, well, he tried to upgrade. It's okay. Yeah. If he goes to the Phillies, That's a bad they one. are going to scream one. bloody murder. That's what you want to keep away from. Harper, could he come back to Washington? I guess, although the owner has said, we consider him gone. We consider him gone at this point. And, and the notion that the Chicago White Sox are in it, uh, that's I craziness. That. I don't that's a stalking that. horse. By, the, that's, by that's the way, the Yankees aren't as evil as you think. It's only 27 world championships. I don't think they're evil. 
I grew up there. I don't think Do they're evil. Think, how about the fact that the Yankees only now are making it seem like they're interested in Bryce Harper? Maybe this is a way of playing possum a little bit. Let's take a break. Take Coming move. up, Brett Favre says it's not going to happen, but he's intrigued at the thought of coaching the Packers, and we're going to ask Steve Young about that. We'll also ask him whether Mark Davis is right, that Amari Cooper could be a great, great player, but a bad fit for the Raiders system. The Raiders have a system. I they know. ought to change that system to have accommodated him because he's... Pardon the interruption is brought to you by Nissan. Innovation that excites. And Subway, make it what you want. Let's consider the secret life of the innermost nesting doll. Living most of her life in the dark inside the other nesting dolls, she has plenty of time to think. If she could, sadly, she has no brain. However, when an innermost nesting doll hears that Geico not only saves people money, but also has been providing great service for over 75 years, she thinks it's obvious you should switch. Because yes, switching to Geico is a no-brainer. Pity the innermost nesting doll and her lot in life. Week 15 of the NFL season kicks off tonight, which makes it a perfect time to bring Hall of Fame quarterback and the man who beat me out for MVP of Super Bowl 29, which I've never forgotten. Steve Young, we'll start with this. This is Mahomes and Rivers tonight. Everybody is wowed by Mahomes. But when you look at Philip Rivers as a fellow quarterback, what does he do that impresses you the most? Well, you know Philip Rivers. He's the guy that's going to put his finger into some guy's chest on the defense. He's going to say something. He's a prober, right? He wants to tra- take chances. And his whole career, he hasn't necessarily had all the, you know, he's he, he's he's writing checks that the guys around him can't cash a lot of times. But all of a sudden, he, when he has players that are good and gr- even great, he, that probing nature of him, that idea that I'm never going to sit still, I'm always looking for something more, all of a sudden the guys are open and they can now cascade forward. So to me... He's now got a team and a defense that can back up that probing, right? They, a defense that can, you know, make up for a big mistake or a couple of mistakes, and I, you got my back. That's a perfect scenario for Philip Rivers, and it seems like this team is maybe as good as he's seen for his kind of the way he likes to play. Hey, Steve, you know, Brett Favre uh, told TMZ he's interested or intrigued by coaching the Packers. He doesn't think he's going to get an offer. Now, Jim Harbaugh, Sid Gilman notwithstanding, why do you think we haven't seen any great quarterbacks become successful coaches. Yeah, Frank, you're telling me Sid Gilman was a great player? He was my coach at the LA Express. I didn't know Sid was so great. (laughs) That's amazing. He taught you well. I never know. In fact, I told Bill Walsh the reason why he was such a great coach, he was a lousy player. Because great (laughs) players, he used to be mad. I was great at San Mateo Junior College. I was the man. Like, okay, Bill, that's fine. But I think more than anything, when you're great, you're great because you did something your way. And your way is the way. And so great players come on to coach, and they're like, hey, do it like I do it. Well, not everybody does it like you do it. Great coaches have multiple levels of, uh, you know, they take each guy in context, and they coach that guy. And so you have to be pretty athletic, and most great players are so entrenched in how they did it that they can't really, you know, kind of transition. That's my theory, at least. I'll stay with quarterbacks. Lamar Jackson has been named the starting quarterback for the Ravens over a healthy Joe Flacco. If you were Joe Flacco, how would you feel about this? And how do you maintain that sort of team-first mentality when this is clearly aimed at you? Look, in the end, football is a bunch of independent contractors trying to make a career, yet folded into trying to convince people to go fight together. And so I'd say to Joe, look, be self-serving. Like, get your job back and be ready to play and, and be positive. No one wants a guy that if you're going to complain and mope and wander around, and no one wants that no matter what you're getting, no matter who you are. 
Like, jump in, be helpful, Lamar, to whatever you need, Lamar, to ask me. I got you covered. And then in the background, I'm studying. I know every play and every, every position. I know every formation. I know every tendency, red zone, middle of the field, backed up. I got it all set, and I'm ready to play. Then when the gun goes off, I'm ready to start. Call me, coach. Give me five plays. Give me ten. Give me three. I don't care. I want to play. I'm ready. That's how you do that. And that's how you reclaim your spot. All right, sticking with the quarterback theme, Jared Goff, he struggles against the Bears. Didn't play great against the Lions. Sean McVay blamed the play calling. Is that what you saw? I don't like that. I, I don't like. It feels like a coddling. Like I, I don't like the idea that early in you know in the year they said that he you know waits right before he gets cut off from the from the coach to quarterback uh, system that he tells him who to throw it to or what you know. I, I just the, the, this image that Jared Goff needs to be coddled is not what I want to hear about. Jared Goff after that game, own it. Four picks against a Great defense in Chicago and cold weather when you're in it from L.A. Just stand up and say, look, I screwed this up royally. I don't need the coach to cover for me. I don't need anything. This was on me. It's raw. I didn't get the You know, I don't need a running back. I'm okay to just kind of carry all the water. Just speak it. And uh, so, Jared, I mean, he's still young. This is a team that's going to continue to get tested. I think it's the best team. And I always said earlier in the year, if they don't win the Super Bowl, it's their own fault. But this shows me a little break in the, in the, in the, in the dike, in the moat. You know, it's like it's leaking with some oil. At the bottom, the Ferrari's got some oil when you come out in the morning. I don't like that. But I still think they have all the pieces as long as they stay healthy. But it does worry me a little bit that Sean, Pay, I mean, that Sean McVay's trying to cover a little bit for, uh, uh, for Jared. That was a great catch that you went from a leak in the moat to a Ferrari. We really <laughs> liked that. That was very yeah, good. Yeah, I know. I was like, uh, I like that. All right, let's get you out of here ages. on this. Uh, the Raiders owner, Mark Davis, says that Amari Cooper is a great, great player who, quote, just didn't work out in our system, unquote. Can somebody be a great player and honestly be a bad strategic fit for a given team? Some positions, uh, defensively, especially if you're a 3-4 team and you've got a great three-down three, three, uh, three line, three lineman end, but yet, you know, now you go to 4-3. And it, yeah, there are places where you don't fit. But when you talk about receiver, big-time alpha receivers in the NFL – in the offensive, what we've talked about in the past here on the show, this is an offensive league, all the rules, like you've got an alpha receiver, it either fits or it's a, it becomes a personality issue. It's a personality of how people work together. And if you can't unlock a guy's personality who's a great player, that's more on you than it is on him because that's the player. You're the parent. You're the coach. You're the, you're the manager. You're the one that has to figure out how to unlock that talent. Clearly, when he goes to Dallas and he's just like exploding, that's not a fit for talent, that's a fit in personality, and that kind of goes back on, on management. Completely agree with that. Thank you, as always, Steve. Thank you. Thanks, Steve. Okay. See you guys. Let's take one last break. Still to come, Michael Jordan expresses his displeasure with a young Hornet. And Dirk Nowitzki is no dummy. He's set to make his season debut against the Phoenix Suns. What should we expect? See, if you're a quarterback, you need to talk in terms of Ferraris. Yes. You have to tell the public, this is what Not I an drive. Oil tanker. <laughs> this is this is what I drive. This is what the man drives. That's right. Pardon the interruption is brought to you by Geico. Fifteen minutes could save you fifteen percent or more on car insurance. And Spider-Man into the Spider-Verse. Only in theaters December 14th. Happy time. Keep up the 22nd birthday, Glaber Torres. Yankees second baseman made the all-star team this year in his rookie season. He ended up batting 271 with 24 homers and 77 RBI on a team where Judge, Stanton, and Sanchez sucked the at-bats out of every home game. <laughs> Frank, when you look up and down the Yankee lineup, they are loaded. 
Imagine how great Boston was this year to finish eight games ahead of them and then smoke them in the playoffs. Uh, wait till Bryce Harper shows up. He should have won Rookie of the Year over Shohei Otani. I'm sorry. I would have gone More the other fact. way on that. I would have gone with Otani. Happy anniversary, Andy Reid. On this day 47 years ago, Reid took part in a punt, pass, and kick competition as a 13-year-old in a Rams uniform who looked like he could suit up for the actual Rams. <laughs> Reid was on the offensive line that protected Jim McMahon at BYU, but clearly his greater fame has been as an NFL coach, second only to Bill Belichick among active coaches and victories, eighth all-time. But what does he need, though, Tony, to be really Super Bowl. up there? Got to win the Super Bowl. That's what he needs. Happy trails to Malik Monk's celebration. Monk stormed the court after teammate Jeremy Lamb hit a basket that appeared to sink the Pistons. But Monk was teed up for too many men on the court because there was time left on the clock. Michael Jordan, who played in a few games in this league, reacted by whacking Monk in the head after Detroit hit the technical and still had a chance to win. To make sure Monk got the message, Jordan whacked him again. Later <laughs> called this a tap of endearment. Frank, you think Monk found it endearing? Uh, I'm not so sure. Is Michael Jordan the only owner that can get away with this? 100%. You can't hit a guy in the head unless you're Michael Jordan. Quickly to the big finish. Shaq says his 2001 Lakers would easily beat this year's Warriors. Do you agree? In today's NBA rules, no. The Nationals traded away Tanner Roar. Surprise. No, we lost 15 games this year, but he was a pro for the Nats. He was dependable. The Indians traded Edwin Encarnacion to the Mariners for Carlos Santana. Do you like that deal? I do like the deal. Save a little bit of money. Santana comes back to the Indians. Fired Maryland football coach DJ Durkin is now working as a consultant with Alabama. Okay by you. Everybody rehabs at Alabama. Everybody becomes an offensive coordinator rehab. The current Maryland coach came from Alabama. Last, last one, Dirk Nowitzki is set to make his season debut tonight after off-season ankle surgery. What do you expect? I expect a win in about 15 minutes for the big German. How about that? He's the greatest player ever from Europe. Right? Yes, Am I right yeah, about absolutely. that? We're out of time. Trying to do better the next time. I'm Tony Kornheiser. And I'm Frank Isola. Wubon, back tomorrow. You can get the PTI podcast on the ESPN app or Apple Podcast. I have a podcast.